You are listening to Night Dog, giving you depth and texture to the conversations that matter. You're listening to Night Talk. My name is Oliver Dixon. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, it really is an honor and a pleasure being in your company. Have you thought about buying an electric vehicle? Depending on the type of electric vehicle you get, you may save up to 50 to 70% of what you're spending on petrol or diesel, right? That's a massive saving. But electric vehicles themselves are insanely expensive. I've looked at a few. I've considered a few. Um, because I think uh, the price of petrol and diesel is just out of control. But it's also just more environmentally safe and friendly. Electric vehicle manufacturers such as Tesla are some of the biggest players in the world. But why is Tesla not in South Africa? Well, they're not yet ready to expand here. But also, the regulatory environment in South Africa is quite onerous. It makes it difficult to get those vehicles into the country and makes it expensive to sell in the country to the point where manufacturers are doubtful whether they will sell. But manufacturers like BMW, like Mercedes-Benz and Volvo are taking that risk and they have introduced either hybrids or full-on electric vehicles into the South African market. But what will it cost you and what can we do to improve uh, the, uh, the trading environment and the regulatory environment to make it cheaper and easier for you to get your hands on an electric vehicle? Nico Smith, who's a car and driving expert involved in training, is with us on this uh, conversation. Nico, good evening. Thank you so much for your time. I really, really do appreciate it. Let's start here. Maybe in more detail, can you explain to us why electric vehicles are so expensive? Okay, let me start saying hello, Oliver. Um, I hope you're well. It's my pleasure to be on the show with you. Um, I think there's, there's, uh, we are import tax in South Africa. It's quite a lot. So uh, electric cars are heavily, um, uh, or our cars are actually, there's a lot of tax on the car itself. Um, and then certain countries like Norway have done lots to promote electric cars by um, you know, not having such a, a high tax. Uh, on the vehicles. In other words, it made electric cars affordable because the tax wasn't as much as petrol or diesel and it made sense to a lot of people to buy them. And they had other things like you could drive in certain lanes that let's say was only restricted for buses. So there was there, there was uh, maybe even things like special places that um, let's say it's a toll gate where electric cars could go. So a lot was done in the country to promote electric cars. So much so that um, Norway, is, Norway is one of the leading countries when it comes to electric cars worldwide. Uh, you know, they have a high adoption rate. Of course, their benefit is a lot of hydroelectric power. So in other words, they, they generate a lot of electricity, which is then going to benefit um, um, the electric car market. So their adoption rate is quite high. Um, so, yeah, first of all, why it's expensive? The cars are, um, when you look at um, the, what the manufacturers say, the cost of developing an electric car yeah. would be three times the same for that same car. I think they said it's something like three times as much for if you had that car as an electric car. So in other words, let's imagine it's a, a Golf, uh, and you take that Golf and you make it an electric car, the, the cost of development is three times as much as, uh, as it, if, if, if that car was going to be uh, a petrol or diesel. Why is that? Because it seems to me there's less components in an electric vehicle than there is in an internal combustion engine. Yes, you're right. I mean, uh, if you look at um, uh, the things that can go wrong, there's very few things because electric car is if you, almost like an electric drill or a little scale electric car. So it has a battery and electric motor, and that's it. But the development cost of the battery itself 
Um, so the technology that goes into the battery, the technology goes into cooling the battery, the technology in trying to get the best, best energy out of the battery, the best range right. out of the battery, those are the things that add to the cost of the car. Once you have the car, um, there's not a lot of mechanical parts and not a lot, a lot of things that can go wrong on the car. So that means yep. then effectively the car, um, you know, there's less, less things that can go wrong. And currently electric cars' warranties on the battery is eight years, 160,000 kilometers. That generally teams is the warranty on the battery. So they have a huge warranty on the battery, which means um, they have a lot of faith in the battery. So you shouldn't really think of an electric car and compare that to your cell phone and think, you know, my cell phone battery, you know, a year and a half or two years and it's not working as well. With, with such a big warranty, there's a lot of faith in the, the batteries of the electric cars themselves. And what would it cost you to replace your battery after the warranty period? Let's say you've been driving this car for six, seven years, uh, you've exceeded 150,000 kilometers, and now you need to replace this battery. What would it cost you? I have no idea, but it's a scary thought. I don't know what it costs. I, you know, when you speak to the manufacturers, a lot of them say we don't know because electric cars haven't been around that, that long and we haven't had that many issues. So um, I don't know what the costs are, but I don't think it's going to be cheap. Um, I think it will be quite a high cost when you have to replace that. But if, if the warranty is 160,000, uh, um, uh, eight years, 160,000 kilometers, that doesn't normally mean that 160,000 case, uh, you know, just after that, the battery gives in. What happens is that over time, just like your cell phone battery, it loses that ability uh, or doesn't have as much output eventually. In other words, the range you, you can drive over a long time will just become less and less and less. But, you know, it's, it's a scary thought. So if I have to replace an electric car battery, I don't think it will be cheap. But I can't tell you because I don't know of lots of instances where it's actually happened. Yeah. Give us a call. 86 Do you have a question or a comment for Nico on this conversation? Are you yourself considering an electric vehicle? Perhaps you drive one. What has been your experience with it? Nico, what is the general after-sales service cost of an electric vehicle compared to an internal combustion engine? Is it cheaper to maintain uh, and service an electric vehicle in general, or is it, uh, does it cost all the same? So, so let's imagine, so currently when you're buying an electric car, there's not a lot of them around, and the electric cars that you can buy are normally uh, have a maintenance plan that goes with it. So that technically means that you're not paying anyway. So as soon as you buy the car, the maintenance plan effectively means that, you know, there's no cost. So let's imagine it's a five-year, 100,000-kilometer warranty. Let's imagine that wasn't in place. There's not a lot to service. So first of all, electric car services um, are normally, and again, I, I'm generalizing because each manufacturer might be slightly different, but generally what you're getting is every two years or 30,000 kilometers, and then there's not a lot that can go wrong with the car. So when they, when they get there, the big thing that they'll check is the coolant for the battery itself and how is, it, how is it actually cooling the battery because you don't want the battery to overheat. Yeah. Um, they'll obviously have a look at things like your brakes. And, um, but they, as another example, because an electric car is such a simple thing, think of a ceiling fan and how long that lasts in your house and how long that works. Or I have a drill that my dad, you know, that my dad bought probably in the 70s and that drill still works. So if you look at an electric car, um, the motor in theory should last an, an extremely long time and the, the battery is the only thing that you have to check. But there's not a lot of things. There's no oil to change, really. There's no uh, um, spark plugs to replace. Um, so when you're servicing the car, there's actually not a lot to do. Yeah, yeah. It's, it does strike me that it would be slightly cheaper uh, to service that. Now let's talk yeah, about usability. Yeah, mm. let's talk about day-to-day -day usability, right? 
Um, what makes it attractive in other countries is that uh, the government, along with the private sector, are setting up uh, charging station infrastructure across the countries. In South Africa, you'd be hard-pressed if you drove 100 kilometers uh, and found another uh, uh, charging station. We don't have many of them. And in fact, the few that we do have, you find at shopping centers in the parking lots. You'll find one at Centen City Shopping Center I've seen. You'll find one at the mall I like to go to, which is uh, Melrose Arc. You, you'll find BMW having one there. But you don't find one as ubiquitous as petrol stations across the country, right? That means that you can't go on a long road trip with your family because you may not be able to charge after your range has run out. Generally, what is the range on the high end and on the low end? And uh, necessarily speaking, how much infrastructure do we have set up across the country? Okay, so, so um, I normally do this. So when I do training, Oliver, I say to the salespeople in the, in, in the classroom, how many charging stations do you think we have in South Africa? Um, so if you have to guess, uh, if you have to guess a number, how many would you guess? How many places do you have an electric car? 60? Take a wild guess. Take a, 60 oh. charging stations? How, how, about, how about millions? Well, every home is one, right? There you go. So that's the first thing that's the important thing with electric cars is that our mindset has to change, number one, because we all used to, I stop at a filling station to fill my car. If you look at everyday use, and what do we do every day? We drive to work and back. Um, so we really go on a long-distance trip. Most of our uh, trips, if you're not working from home, it's to work and back. And the, the, right. the, big, be the big beauty of an electric car is that you stop in the garage, it's like your cell phone. You stop in the garage, you plug it in. Tomorrow morning, you plug it out. Um, if, it's, if it's drained completely, the next day you plug it in. And if you're saying, well, you know what, if you get at home, at, let's imagine you get home at 6 and you leave at 6 again, that means there, now let's imagine there's electricity all the time, that means you have 12 hours of um, charging, which is enough to charge the battery overnight. The downside, unfortunately, is, isn't actually an issue, if I'm honest. Um, because if they have three or four hours load shedding, it's still actually not an issue. But with the longer cycles, I'm starting to worry. When you're getting to stage six and eight, uh, it, in my mind, I'm going, it, it makes it less, um, it, makes it, it becomes a small issue, but not big still, because let's imagine um, if I add to what you were asking about the range. Right now, some of the, depending on the car, because the first cars, like the BMW i3, had a, let's say, a range of about 180 kilometers which for a lot of people, if you're not driving a lot, is actually more than enough. Generally, you're getting about, depending on the car, let's say you can drive about 300 kilometers because there's a few factors that, that, that um, impact that range. If you're driving on the highway, the range isn't great. If you're driving in town, the range is much better. In other words, it's actually the reverse of a petrol or diesel yeah. car. Um, if you're looking at better range, some of the factors are claiming up for maybe 500 kilometers. That's probably what you'll get um, as, as you know, with range. So the first thing with electric cars is the beauty is you're charging them at home. You never, you're stopping at a filling station for bread and milk um, at late at night because you forgot. And that's the only time. Or you're, filling, you're putting air in your tires. If you look at this charging infrastructure, um, the last number I saw was last year was about 440 charging stations um, throughout the country. Um, so regularly, actually, people have been driving to Cape Town. Regularly, you can drive to Durban. So the infrastructure is growing quite a lot. Um, the downside is actually that you, you can't go to Uppington. You can't really go to Namibia. But hopefully that right. infrastructure, infrastructure is growing. So um, what is happening is that the infrastructure hopefully will, will grow and will adopt it because um, 
the, the big thing here for with electric cars is manufacturers are all saying we're going that way. If you read anything with any manufacturer, they'll, they'll, they have predictions that when they'll move to electric cars. And some of them yeah. are saying, listen, from 2026, all our all new cars will be electric. We'll still make petrol and diesel, but after 2026, all new cars will be electrical. Some say 2030, whatever it is. They are all focusing in that direction. That's their talk. And if we're saying, hang on, you guys, we're not really interested. We're going to be left behind. So that's my big worry is hopefully government realizes one day, hang on, we need to, we need to help grow this in our country. We need to take some of the tax away from those cars. We need to try and help grow the infrastructure so that we don't lag behind um, because car manufacturers are doing that. And we don't want to come in 10 years' time and say, you don't, we don't have a lot of cars in our dealerships. We have a few petrol and diesel, but uh, we're not ready for electric cars, which means we sort of left behind compared to what the rest of the world is doing. Yeah. So uh, let's maybe then go to uh, that. What would make the South African market a lot more attractive for manufacturers uh, to bring a lot more electric vehicles into. You mentioned taxes being high and onerous. Yes. Uh, what other factors in the in the envi- in the market environment and the regulatory environment mm. do you think are an obstacle for manufacturers? Okay, so I'm not sure. Uh, you know, from what I do, and when it gets to the regulations, I don't know exactly what all the regulations are. So I can honestly say, and I'm not sure what all the regulations are that's holding it back. But what is a big issue? Um, unfortunately, is our weak RAM and the high the high costs on electric cars uh, and the high import duties on, on actually on generally in all cars, but it's not helping with electric cars. Also, so in other words, because the cars cost a lot, and, and now what, what's happening, I think ESCOM is making people hesitant. Because you, you yeah. said that earlier, and I agree with you completely, electric cars are still too expensive. I mean, you're still paying a million rand for an electric car. There's nothing really cheaper than that. So they're still quite expensive. And now ESCOM isn't helping us. A lot of people are going, you know what, I was considering it, but with all these load shedding stages, I'm not sure if I'm considering. And, and that makes it difficult. And that, that, and this is my opinion, by the way. My opinion then is the manufacturers are going, you know what, um, people are hesitant to buy, so we're going to be a bit hesitant. Should we bring the electric car into the market? You know, our adoption rate currently isn't great. So the, the cars are expensive. Um, the ESCOM isn't helping people's perception about electric cars. Um, I think the also education is an important part. I mean, what we're doing right now, uh, we you know, are chatting is maybe making somebody think, hang on, I should think about electric cars differently. So the more we sort of change our thinking about it, hopefully that I think that's part of the, the, the way that we get people into electric cars uh, is, is to, to talk about it, to say, what can we do? But to maybe to say to people, a lot of the things that you think are limitations to buying an electric car or actually not, like charging at home. Most of the time you can charge at home. But if you have some family currently in the Eastern Cape and you want to go visit them, an electric car is not the, the car to do it with. So there's a lot yeah. of things that, are, that have to change. Infrastructure is a big one. So that, because um, in the cities, electric cars are fabulous, but long distance infrastructure isn't good enough. And if the infrastructure gets better, then adoption, I think, will also get better. Because you feel, listen, I'm comfortable with driving further with an electric car because I, I'm not too worried about where I can charge it. Yeah. Are hybrid vehicles a sweet spot or a good transition 
for those who want to transition away from electric from from combustion engines to electric cars but don't want to do it entirely because they're nervous about the prospects of being entirely electrical i'm seeing a lot more of the you know that sexy looking aval h6 hev on the road um, which i understand to be a hybrid vehicle which means part petrol or part diesel part electrical is is that a growing market I think, I think the first thing we have to do is we have to distinguish the two types. Um, so if you look at a hybrid vehicle, um, one type of hybrid would be like a, um, uh, like a Prius. So if you look at a Prius, um, what a Prius is, is a petrol engine. It has an electric motor and it has a battery. But you cannot charge that battery by plugging it in somewhere. So in other words, how a Prius works is when you are driving, every time you brake, energy goes into the battery and when you stop and you pull away instead of using the internal combustion engine to get the car moving it's using the electric motor um, because the most fuel is used when you're putting away so now the electric motor you have some energy in your battery and you use that to get going and once you're going your petrol engine will start and that will then move you along further and when you're getting up to let's say being 100 kilometers an hour and then when you brake energy goes back into the battery and when you stop you're putting away so that technically is still it's, uh, all that's doing is helping your fuel consumption. Then you get something called the plug-in hybrid, which South Africans have been, they've been around, but South Africans aren't seem to be too keen to adopt them. I've been drive, drove some of those cars, I think, five years ago. They already were available. Now, a plug-in has a battery, and it has a smallish battery, normally about the space where your spare wheel sits. It's, they mostly tend to, well, actually, there could be any type of car, from, from a hatch to a big SUV. But you can charge your battery, and then their range, dependent on the car, is about 30 kilometers. So the idea with a plug-in hybrid is that you, you, you charge your plug-in hybrid at home, and you use the electric energy to drive to work and back. That's 30 kilometers. And maybe your work is 30 k's away. When you get there at work, you charge it again. In other words, when you drive to work and back or short distances, you're using the electric motor. But as soon as you want to go to your family in the Eastern Cape, then you can use your petrol internal combustion engine, and that will get you the distance. Plus, those two work together. So if you need to overtake a, a slow truck on the, uh, going there, then you have the electric motor assisting the petrol motor. So a plug-in hybrid is a sort of the middle way um, because you're getting into electric cars because you can charge it at home and you can drive short distances. But the thing with a plug-in hybrid, it takes some discipline. And I found that Africans, we sometimes are a little bit lazy. We don't want to charge that thing every night and drive on electricity. It works for a while, and then it's almost like the novelty wears off. It's, so if you want to drive a plug-in hybrid, it has to be a conscious decision to charge it every time and use electricity as much as possible because that's the, that's the function of, an, of, of a plug-in hybrid, is to say, I have long distances that I need to travel, but I really want to use electricity as much as I can, so let me charge it. The thing is, a plug-in hybrid will cost a lot more than a standard model. So already then there's a cost factor to that, which then people will say, you know what, I'd rather buy the performance petrol car instead of the plug-in hybrid that won't give me that performance, but I have some benefit of a car that has, let's say, a dual purpose. It's electric with a short range, but it also has a petrol motor to get me long distance or drive me long distances. From an electric, uh, from a, uh, a com internal combustion to electric vehicle, or is the performance level uh, comparable? Excuse me, can you just repeat? Sorry, I didn't hear the first part of the question, please, Oliver. 
my next wave was going to be is there a trade-off to be made on performance for the speed junkies right those who buy cars for uh its speed and its ability to perform uh on open roads or is it all performing just the same and so if you're buying it depends on the type of plug-in hybrid so most if you're buying a i don't know if i can call it a normal plug-in hybrid but plug-in hybrids um initially were just it's there to actually have some electricity. In, in other words, have an electric motor that assists your petrol motor. And you might, let's say, get 150 kilowatts out of this, which really isn't bad. Um, however, some of the, when you're looking at some of the performance manufacturers, um, they are now incorporating electric motors um, into their performance cars. So what they're doing is they say, you know, we normally had a V8. Now we'll put a V6 in there, but we'll also add an electric motor to get us going because electric motors acceleration from the get-go is fabulous. Uh, plus, so in other words, our emissions are lower, our small engine can be smaller, but our electric motor in our performance car now assists our performance. So it actually goes both ways. It can be in a, let's call it a, not really entry-level, but mid-range car. We're really getting yeah. the benefit of both. But on a performance car, um, you can then have an electric motor that really makes you, you know, give you, gives you amazing performance. So it, it depends on where the manufacturer's focus is. Yeah. Uh, give us a call. 86 I'm taking your WhatsApp voice notes on 0614-104-107. Let's take a quick break. On the other side of that, we continue. Send us a WhatsApp voice note, 86 Let's have a listen at this WhatsApp voice note that has come through on our WhatsApp line. Uh, in fact, there's nothing wrong with the education system. This thing of saying decolonize education is just a, a terminology that is a buzzword. In fact, the whites, Indians, and everyone else are studying the same syllabus as we do at universities and, and, and colleges. But when they go out, they go and start businesses. Look, we've got an Indian guy who studied mechanical engineering from Blue High School in Venda. And he's an Indian guy. When he came back, he started opening a spa. Good evening, Oliver, and the listeners. I'd just like to know how you do the maths, because it costs me far less to drive my car than to pay for Eskom, although I've cut my usage of electricity to the bone. Plus, how do you get to out-of-way places where there are no recharging um facilities and how are you going to keep up with paying for the tires because these are enormously heavy vehicles because of the weight of the batteries that's just a couple of the downsides thank you claire from near george thank you so much for that claire really really do appreciate it apologies for that wrong voice notes that we had played for you over there uh but nico perhaps as a final theme is there a actual is there an actual saving uh, in in terms of input cost uh for electricity versus for petrol uh does it cost less to get the same distance if you use electricity versus using petrol so claire made some good points it's a pity we don't have more time the big thing is actually um you're paying for kilowatt hour at home. So if you are uh, electricity, let's say, I'm not sure what it is currently. Let's imagine it's two rand seventy per kilowatt hour. Um, and an electric car's battery, if you have a massive battery, that would be 100 kilowatt hours. So if you're paying two rand seventy per kilowatt hour 
uh, and you put in uh, um, 100 kilowatt hours in there, it'll cost you 270 rand. Um, and then depending on the car, the newer ones can do at least four, 450 kilometers on that 270 rand. So and you can do the math now to say, um, you know, what would that compare with a petrol car? Um, you know, if you look at, I have a diesel car that's actually fairly light on diesel, but it's something like 1,400 rands to put um, that into my car. The range is 1,000 kilometers. So, uh, so I think 1,500 rands. So we did the math a while back, and dependent on the efficiency of the car, especially if it's a smaller one, it can be up to a quarter of the cost of a comparative petrol or diesel car. So, again, it depends on where you're driving, but if you're driving in town, electric cars actually um, can cost you less um, than, than the equivalent petrol car if you look at the cost of electricity that goes into the battery, the, the battery and the range. So, on average, if you look at a, a general size, 70 kilowatt hours would be roughly a, a good battery size, and some electric cars out of that 70 kilowatt hours can give you 400 or 500 kilometers range, which really then starts making sense for electric cars. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Nico, thank you so much for your time this evening. I really do appreciate your insights. It has been a very useful conversation. Thanks, Oliver. Nico Smith, who is a car expert. We're going to take a quick break for the news. And on the other side of that, it is the open line. Give me a call, 086-000-2032. 086-000-2032. I'm taking your WhatsApp voice notes on 0614 104107. This is Night Talk. My name is Oliver Dixon. It's 11 o'clock. Time for your news.